in episode 14 of the Mentor from Afar podcast. I talked to my friend and returning visitor, Steve Koenig, VP of Research for the Consumer Technology Association. Let's get started. Well, welcome back, everyone. It seems like you shouldn't really start a year with a podcast without talking about CES, especially if your world has something to do with digital and technology, uh, which mine does. So I was thankful to have Steve Koenig come back and talk to us about uh, the CES 2022, which is really kind of the first real large uh, conference that was back in person uh, and online to a certain degree. But I uh, thought you could learn a lot about what the new technology is that's coming out, um, how that affects actually mentoring and coaching, and really how the conference was this year, uh, seeing people back in person. So I hope you enjoy. I'd like to welcome back to the Mentor from Afar podcast, my first return visitor, uh, Steve <laughs> Koenig. So Steve, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, it's good to be back and uh, and you know talk more about mentoring from afar and a lot of other things you want to get into. Yeah, we we covered a lot on the first one, so if people haven't heard that, I, I think they'd get a lot out of the, the Steve's talk on on mentoring and also um, really kind of work in the tech trends from last year. Um, but as we kind of look into this year, we're another year uh, beyond, well, a couple of years into the pandemic here, uh, hopefully coming out the other side. And we actually had a an in-person CES this year. Um, how exciting was that? What was the reaction around that? I think people are probably excited to hear how that went. Yeah, well, excitement is, uh, is an understatement. I'm, I'm pleased to say that we we hosted over 45,000 industry trade professionals from around the world in Las Vegas for CES 2022. And probably the, the biggest takeaway was this just attitude of gratitude. And that was omnipresent across attendees, exhibitors, and even media who, who tend to be probably the biggest complainers about Wi-Fi or food or something like this, but everybody was just delighted to be back in person. And, and that's really the, the key takeaway, I think, as you mentioned, as we kind of draw down on this season of the pandemic, you can virtualize the human element for a season, I think, and we've done that and we've proved we can be productive and effective with a lot of the Zoom calls and Teams meetings and so forth. But at the end of the day, you really can't sustain that in perpetuity. You've, you've got to get back out there. And, and that was a key takeaway from CES. So again, over 45,000 trade professionals from around the world assembled in Las Vegas. We, we had robust health protocols in place because, uh, and this is another, I think, key takeaway and, and development with the execution of, of the show back in early January 
is this it, is CES 2022 really took place right at, at the peak of the whole Omicron crisis and that whole wave. And we had long planned for that contingency, but, but also just laying the groundwork for just a, a healthy environment, just on principle, just with all things uh, going on with the, with the pandemic. Of course, CES had to comply with local regulations like, like any event anywhere. But we went beyond that to really in July of 2021, we announced that we would require vaccination to, to attend. And that's media, exhibitors, attendees. So everybody was vaccinated. And we actually did a little on-site survey of about uh, 200, 300 people uh, and roughly three quarters of those self-reported that they were also boosted. So I think the people that came there were were prepared, and mm-hmm. and they masked up as required by the local regs, and they they had they had their sleeves rolled up. They were ready to do business, and it was it, again it was just fantastic. So there was this attitude of gratitude. We had some noteworthy and well-publicized cancellations because again, it was at the peak of the Omicron wave, but we still had, I think over 2,500 exhibitors, including about 800 startups from about 30 different countries. It was a phenomenal event. And people who know CES know that 45,000 is, is roughly about a third of the the, what you might call the usual attendance, uh, certainly looking back to, to 2019, 2020. And nobody expected it to come back, you know, like a snap back, like a rubber band. Uh, but it definitely is a step in the right direction. And uh, the last thing I'll say is that just given that CES happened, that has been a, a boost of confidence for the trade show industry and a lot of other events like today, uh, this, this week, South by is kicking off and uh, we've got the national association of broadcasters next month. So many other events looked at CES, what we did, looked at the attendance, the results as kind of a proof point and a way forward to, to get back to in-person events. So I think there's a lot more going to be happening this year, which is great. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think especially me working from home or a lot of people working from home, like conferences might be a way for people to kind of get some of that human element and uh, learn about stuff. And it's to me, that was probably my best networking tool when you could actually go meet people in person. And um, I think one of the things that gets lost about CES uh, you see all the cool devices and everything, but there's so much business and collaboration and meeting people at that event that um, it's it's the catalyst for a lot of companies' uh, business for the year, even. So that's true, Matt. Yeah, what you're what you're describing is the serendipity of of being at an event along with thousands of other peers and and trade professionals and. Sure, we all schedule meetings. There are people that we talk to running up to the event, and, and we've scheduled time to meet with them. But then there's a whole list of other people that we we have these very serendipitous encounters with, whether it's in the hallway. 
our research of uh, attendees uh, at CES over the past many years has shown that the average attendee, now this is going back to pre-pandemic period, but the average CES attendee participates in about 30, that's three zero meetings per CES. And that's both planned and unplanned, formal and informal. So that tells you right there just the magnitude. And, and this, is, this is really, I think, why these events have, have become important. And that's really one of the other, just in the events industry, one of the key learnings is that these, these events are absolutely critical for the reasons you mentioned, Matt. You've got to, to get back out there because in a, in a virtual conference, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's very difficult to, to network. And you really can't just kind of bump into somebody and have like, hey, a side conversation, let's go get a cup of coffee. It's just not possible. So I'm glad right. to hear you say that, that, yeah, that this is something that you've personally experienced. And I think probably other listeners uh, would, would uh, endorse that and, and would say the same. Uh, it's, so all that being said, it's great to see in-person events. And when it comes to mentoring, I think this is also important because, like I said, you can, you can sustain the human element virtually for a while, but not forever. And we, as humans, we're social creatures and we need uh, we need that kind of interaction and it, that that human yeah. touch you know the the human touch it's it's uh it's really important and it's certainly important when we're trying to do business and and develop business relationships you again you can do it virtually but i, I think for uh the depth of the relationship and so forth you really need to be there in person pressing the flesh and and uh, having that that personal uh, interaction. So I want to talk about a couple of the cool tech trends. But since you brought that up about mentoring and almost hybrid work, there's there's still a ton of work being done from home, and I I think that'll happen forever at least as some, with some flexibility. Um, did you see? new tech, uh, new computers, chips, things at the show that might help contribute to, contribute to a, kind of a better experience that way? We certainly did. There was a lot of innovation around hybrid work and supporting that, uh, that whole genre, which everybody remembers at the headwaters of the health crisis we, we all experienced the sudden collision of homework and school. There was a big rush to buy up tech to support all those activities. And nowadays we're seeing another wave of, of not only just innovation, but, but also tech purchasing to support hybrid work as organizations across America have realized that there's been a sea change in organizational behavior in corporate culture. We've, we've learned that we can, we can successfully work remotely and be very productive. So it's not necessarily required to be in the office every single day. Some, some organizations have gone completely remote. Others have plans to go back to the office, but there was a Harvard Business Review article I read a, a couple of months ago. And in that there was a survey of, 
of businesses in the United States and 90% of them had deployed a hybrid work strategy for their knowledge workers. And so that tells you just how real hybrid work is. No one's saying, okay, we're going to, we're all going to come back to the office. Maybe there are some, but to support hybrid work. Yes. A lot of innovation at, at CES from screens to portable video conferencing type systems. So, so basically think of like a smart speaker with a camera on top, uh, this idea that, of working from anywhere that, well, that, that, you know, a lot of times means from home, but also can mean uh, working from uh, a, a vacation spot. Uh, mm-hmm. There's uh, another, another trend, I think, in, in just organizational behavior and, and work is the, the, the offsite meeting is, uh, is really getting popular. And, and so instead of teams being in the office 24 seven, if you like, and then scheduling kind of offsite meetings, a lot of people are working remotely. They're, they're meeting back at the office, but they're also taking advantage of, of meeting offsite. And, and so some of these systems that allow you to, to bring the tech with you and, and have like an offsite meeting uh, at, at a restaurant and, you know, private dining room or uh, even at Starbucks, you, mm-hmm. you could you could do that. There, there's also just with with some of the other kit related to work, laptops. Just just so much more innovation there uh, taking place with uh, multiple screens and just a lot of different different ways. But with the tech innovation is has also, as I mentioned, come this this wave of, of purchasing as as organizations and consumers really bolster their uh, their capabilities for hybrid work because now they know okay this is going to be sustained and so if someone hasn't purchased say like a, a really nice microphone for those invariable uh, zoom meetings and teams meetings and so forth maybe they haven't invested in that yet well now they are because they know that they're going to be probably working from home three, four days a week and in the office once or twice a week. So they, they really need to permanently beef up their their equipment and, and organizations are doing the same. So what that looks like, I think, is, is a lot more laptops shipping this year. We're seeing those sales levels really sustained. It's been a very high level throughout the pandemic and that's sustained as we exit the crisis. So these are some of the things that we saw from CES and just other trends that are that we're observing in the industry today. Do you think uh, you think people can actually get their orders, or how is the chip shortage <laughs> affecting things? Yeah, so well, they, they want all this stuff, but can they even actually get it? Yeah, I and mean, I think generally they they are. Uh, the, the chip shortage, uh, pardon the pun, we're, we're chipping away at the chip shortage. <laughs> there's there's uh, a lot of well-publicized plans that have been put out by some of the major semiconductor firms like Samsung, Intel, TSMC. Uh, Intel is is soon breaking ground on some new facilities here in the United States, also in in Europe. But but yeah, uh, I think generally 
uh, product is is moving uh, like you said it may be moving a little bit slower but but yes uh, people are able to 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 get products 5g phones this is another aspect i think thinking about hot spots and another benefit of 5g so in those households where bandwidth may be up until now a little bit constrained with everybody at home thinking about you know the teenagers Gaming online, uh, the spouse is is on Zoom calls. You know we're on Zoom calls. That's a lot of bandwidth, so a five G hotspot uh, can can help ameliorate that uh, a little bit. And and a lot of five G phones shipping today, uh, carriers really pushing those. So there's there's a lot happening. But yeah, the product is flowing. Chips are chips are flowing. I think the one sector I would say for chips that's still under considerable pressure is automotive. Bit, but they they've really been in the bullseye of that that whole deal for uh, since the beginning right only because i need a new car is is the main reason yeah. it's <laughs> delayed um <laughs> so i at the end i want to talk about the metaverse a little bit but i wondered for like other trends at the show um just kind of beyond the hybrid work what what other things did you see there that kind of stuck out to you Oh, well, sure. Uh, well, there's so many. Uh, we, we've covered some of these, like in computing, 5G, of, of course. Uh, I, I would say one other interesting thing about CES 2022 is we, we had a brand new event hall, the West Hall, uh, at the Las Vegas Convention Center. And that was where we housed all the automotive exhibits. And uh, electrification, uh, so many new electric vehicles coming forward and incremental improvements in battery systems, charging systems. This was a, a big feature of CES 2022. In addition, self-driving vehicles, you know, we've had this for probably 10 years and seen incremental improvements in sensors there. But just thinking about the current scenario and, and friction with supply chain, there was a big emphasis on self-driving trucks like semi-trucks uh, and other delivery vehicle systems. So this was really interesting to see. And uh, this also would include drones. But, but yes, there was uh, a, a lot of innovation uh, in West Hall re related to, to automotive uh, I talked about display innovation, uh, also health. I mean, this is an obvious one, but mm -hmm. there was there was a lot, a lot of of uh, what we've described as healthy home technology. So these are like smart air purification. There were a number of s systems geared for consumer and uh, commercial for for basically uh, COVID detection and virus detection. Some, some were saying these could be deployed in schools. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if those things stick. As you said, now, as we, we ostensibly exit the crisis, is this going to be uh, more of a permanent thing, this vigilance? But apart from that, a lot more innovation in uh, just a variety of wearables, sleep systems, and uh, just, a, a, just a whole manner of, of other things related to health. So smart home also kind of by extension of that and uh yeah and then and then kind of i think as you said probably one of the most talked about trends at ces was metaverse 
and uh, a lot of a lot of question marks around what is this and and there was definitely some interesting innovation that really point to the metaverse uh, which we'll be talking about for for years and years and years to come yeah how, how are how are companies represented there talking about that where it's just every company they brought that into their their content a little bit or are they talking about metas slash old facebook's version of that or are they uh talking about like web3 and the um blockchain and cryptocurrency or all the above to a certain degree well yes yeah, so there i would just say in a nutshell there was a lot of talk about metaverse uh, and there was a little bit of substance uh, i think right now any company speaking in metaverse terms what listeners need to understand is that this is 99 percent marketing and probably one percent substance because the the metaverse is not something that we just build and now we've got it uh, so it might be helpful to define what metaverse yeah. is because yeah. it, it really it, it it incorporates some of the things that you were talking about that are that are it's really a, a coal coalescence of so many trends but but to me metaverse is the next generation of the internet that will deliver increasingly immersive digital experiences and over time and by over time i mean over the next 20 years these immersive digital experiences will become increasingly uh, inextricable from our physical reality so what I mean by that is that, that say in the next 10, 20 years, just as we're hopping on and off Zoom calls and so forth, we will probably be dipping in and out of metaverse type, fully immersive type experiences. That, that's the vision. And so when you, when you understand that vision, it's very clear to, to see today that those kinds of experiences, which is to say VR, are, are, are pretty shallow. <laughs> they're, 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 right. we're, we're starting to get there. And that's where we started to see some really cool innovation that is pointing to these increasingly immersive experiences. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is for example, a lot of innovation in haptics uh, companies like uh, there was a company there called OWO, which is literally O-W-O uh, out of the UK. They had some haptic apparel similar to like Tesla suit that we, if you might yep. remember that one that we saw mm -hmm. a, a few years ago, very, very early, but, but haptic apparel where you're actually feeling the experience uh, and then uh, haptic gloves and, and other kind of sensory type uh, apparel and systems, of course, advances in, in VR headsets as well, smaller, lighter, higher resolution, wireless, some of these things. And, and the list goes on. There, there was even, uh, there's an idea that metaverse doesn't necessarily have to mean fully immersed. So this is where maybe AR comes in and we'll, we'll see. But, but again, I want to emphasize that, that metaverse right now is really more of a concept. And to really help listeners get the point here, Satya Nadella, who's Microsoft CEO, he said that we're starting to talk about metaverse now 
in the same way that we were talking about the internet in the early 90s. And so anyone that remembers that time of the early 90s when the internet was pretty much just a collection of bulletin boards, there, there was really no World Wide Web, there weren't really websites, uh, and there certainly was no e-commerce. So if you think back to, say, 1993 or so, uh, and what we knew then about the internet, it would be very hard for us back then to imagine the things we'd be doing online today. And so that's pretty congruent with where we are with metaverse. It's it's we have an idea, but in some ways we have no idea uh, of like what it's going to be like. And mm -hmm. and I think what's interesting is when you think about Matt, like metaverse, we we've got some some sci-fi-ish type views, like Ready Player One, Ernest right. Cline's novel, and the new and the movie. You know, gives us an idea of like what metaverse could be like. And, and I think that's even though that's kind of a dystopian story. Uh, I think the the concept is is generally correct. Is is that yeah, it's going to be this this whole online digital world uh, in some ways. But you know, it, we'll we'll see what happens. Will it be just one big space? No, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it, it it may be just a collection of things. What are the use cases? And that's what's exciting. I think for the next three or four or five years is to see these different use case scenarios that start to pop up because people want to know, well, where's this going to start? And, and I think it's going to start in the enterprise sector. And, and I think that's, that'll be driven by Microsoft. Now meta may take more of a social, like you said, with Facebook, they may take more of a social uh, approach to, to building these kinds of experiences. And that's really what they are is experiences, but it'll be interesting to see. And that's why we're going to be talking about this. Uh, for years and years to come, or what are the what are the use cases? Mm -hmm. What are the experience models? Uh, is it consumer? Is it enterprise? Is it is it marketing? Which is kind of a, a bit of both. Uh, how will how will that impact marketing? Uh, I, I think generally, it, it's going to be very revolutionary. In addition to evolutionary, just in the same way that that the internet totally changed marketing, generally speaking, I think metaverse will, will, will do the same thing because metaverse is the next generation uh, of the internet. So all that being said, it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's, there's not a lot of substance, but there is a lot of innovation happening. And here's the, here's the best news is that a lot of the building blocks of the metaverse are already here. And those building blocks include some of the things we've talked about, like with 5G, AR, VR, cloud computing, AI, volumetric video, and a, a list of other supporting technologies. Th those technologies already are, are already here. We have only to assemble them into these experiences that address use cases. And, and that's the news that will be spilling out from the brands like Google, Microsoft, Meta, possibly others this year and into next year. Yeah, you, you took the question right out of my head there. Um, <laughs> I was kind of wondering if, if the building blocks are good enough to, no matter what those use cases are, to actually deliver on that. Um, it's, I don't know if, hearing some different talk about 5g these days like 
is it all it's cracked up to be? Do you think we're just still early in that deployment? Because it seems like those take about 10 years to really get fully uh, deployed as a well, generation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's been the past. I think things will happen a lot faster with 5g and, and I think yes, 5g will live up to the hype and there's actually a very, a very critical waypoint in 5g's development because it is still developing. Uh, you may know about uh, 3gpp. They are the global standards body for, for wireless. And this summer in June, they are to publish uh, their release 17 list of protocols, standards, and requirements that will really write the playbook for industrial IoT. And so that publication of those standards will be analogous to a starting gun for global development and implementation of industrial IoT. So what that looks like, I think, is factory automation, more autonomous systems, and these these things will be deployed across the economy. So 2022 is going to really be a fulcrum for in the 5G narrative to where we start talking about more enterprise applications versus consumers. So consumer starts to take a backseat. You know, the consumer wireless space is hyper competitive. It's very, very well understood. And consumers just want more bandwidth and, and, a, and a new phone. And we can expect more of the same. Where the real new opportunity for carriers and technology companies is in this industrial IoT, the enterprise space, which is why 5G is the fifth wireless generation but it will be the first wireless generation that will be led by the enterprise. And that starts this year with the publication of release 17 and these industrial IOT standards and protocols. All right. Um, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, thanks for let me know about that. Um, two things I kind of wanted to wrap up with the uh, number one, um, just kind of wrapping up the show a little bit. Was there, was there any of those, I hate to use this word, but viral kind of products out <laughs> there. Um, it's a bad time to use that word, but uh, not that kind of viral social viral um, that kind of blew up this year, whether it's the uh, last year kind of had that, that Kohler hot tub or whatever. Um, but was there, were there anything like that this year? Well, yeah, it's always tough to to pick one particular product, even a product category that, that really just rises uh, to, to the top. Uh, I, I think for me, I, I would have to just say that what I continue to be impressed and, and inspired by is just the manifold applications and deployment of, of AI. Uh, AI is everywhere and and just what it's doing to transform different sectors of the economy. So we, we food technology is uh, is one one thing that just is amazing. Just all the things that that uh, these robotic kitchens and so forth. But I guess, you know, thinking more about what was a, what was the big wow for CES 2022, I would have to point to space tech. 
Hmm. I'd have to point to space tech. We had Sierra Nevada Corporation, Sierra Space, uh, at CES 2022 with a scale model of their Dream Chaser uh, orbital spacecraft. And that was, uh, if you'd asked me like 10 years ago, would we see space technology and, and like a, a model of a spaceship at CES? I would have said, come on, you're crazy. Why? It's, this is uh, consumer electronics and consumer technology. We're not talking space. But yeah, space is, is now not the exclusive domain of, of countries and, and states. Uh, this, uh, it's, it's a, it literally is the final frontier for business. And so Sierra was there talking about their their plans and for replacing the uh, International Space Station, which is is going to be shutting down. And I think in the next five or so years, or they've got a plan to to build a, a new space station. And we started to learn about like, yeah, what are the ostensible business opportunities in space? So manufacturing, a lot of science and, and experimentation and so forth, but very interesting. And so that was probably the, the biggest wow factor was space technology at CES 2022. Wow. Yeah, that is cool. Um, maybe just to wrap up, just curious from your perspective and CTA and um, kind of where things are going, What what's next for you and um, what are you excited about in 2022? Wow. Well, yeah, I, I think like coming back to metaverse for uh, a minute, I, I think that's one thing. I'm very keen to, to see how uh, this narrative will develop because there is obviously, as we've established, a lot of buzz. So I'm, I'm very keen to see uh, announcements from some of the brands that I, I mentioned earlier, Google, uh, possibly Apple, uh, and just seeing how that whole XR space Meta metaverse space really starts to evolve uh, with some of these these new capabilities and some of the building blocks like like we talked about. Uh, we talk, also talked about another another area I'm excited about is 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 five G with the with the publication of release seventeen. Again, that bet is I can't underscore enough how what a big deal that is, and just to see what companies start to do with that. There's been a lot of experimentation and and so forth. Uh, up until now, but but once though we have the the real requirements and and standards, that that's just going to unleash a, a whole nother wave of of innovation. So those are some those are some things uh, you know along with uh, yeah let's let's you know eight K TVs and <laughs> uh, a lot of other you know cool tech uh, that that we've got. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to, to look forward to, but those, those are some of the things that I'll be watching for. Robotics, this is another area we hadn't talked about, but that's, there's a lot of innovation happening there and the things getting better. So those are just a handful of things. It's, it, there's a lot. There, there's a lot. It's really hard to boil it down to just a, a handful of just super exciting things because in my job, you have to cover pretty much everything uh, from brands like John Deere that have these uh, – very, very advanced uh, pieces of equipment that, that employ all the, the sensors and computer vision and AI machine learning that uh, the most advanced self-driving vehicle does. But these are big farm tractors uh, all the way up to, like we talked about, uh, space tech. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot, uh, which is to say that uh, it's exciting 
and there's always something new to talk about. So thank you so much for having me on the show yeah. today. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I appreciate it. We'll uh, talk again soon. You bet. Count on it. Thank you, everybody, for joining today. Until next time.